But Shelly and I were grateful to go. And as part of that, as we talked with uh, one of the restaurant owners there, who we got to know really well, um, it was interesting to talk with him. He, he related that things were still difficult for him as far as business is concerned in East Jerusalem. And he even made the statement, I'd love to switch places with you. Switch passports. Obviously, that didn't happen. I'm here. I still have my blue passport. But it was interesting to have that conversation with him to understand how blessed we truly are uh, that we can live in this nation, to have freedom of religion. I know sometimes you feel like we face challenges, but I can tell you uh, many times they are far greater in other settings. So we're grateful. You know, and if you look at, by international standards, if you earn a salary of $10,000 a year, 10000 that's it, that would put you in the top 15% of wage earners in the world. That's just a $10,000 salary. But now if you earn an average American salary, which is about $50,000 a year, that puts you in the top 1% of wage earners in the world, top 1%. I think sometimes we can lose sight of how blessed we truly are. You know, but what's been interesting to me is to watch others in my generation very quickly acquire what their parents had, but much sooner than their parents were able to do so. Does that make sense? In other words, I've watched young adults grow and, and gather cars and homes and all these things, but a lot faster than their parents 20 and 30 years ago. But here's what's been neat to see as they've done that. Once people have acquired these things, once people have fulfilled the American dream, they have been left wanting. can't tell you how many conversations I've had with people who did everything they thought they were supposed to do only to arrive at the destination of having it all, a family, home, cars, retirement, vacation, and then to realize this is not what life is about. God did not design us to find satisfaction in the American dream. He did not design us to find satisfaction in anything that this world has to offer. God designed us to find satisfaction in him. We were designed to experience a rich and satisfying life by following Jesus. And this is what I'd like to briefly dive into here this morning. If you're searching for meaning in life and hope for the future, the scripture passage we're going to examine today, it provides some answers on where this can be found. So if you have your Bibles, ah, I hope you do. If you don't bring a Bible with you, Maybe you've got it on an electronic device. I would encourage you, engage with the message. Uh, you know, I, I used to teach, and engagement matters. So we've got on the back of your program a place to take notes. Doodle, do what you want. Um, if you bring your Bible, you can make notes and underline. If you don't have a Bible, there's a Bible underneath your seat, and I encourage you to take one. If you don't have one at home, take it home with you. Uh, we want you to have a Bible. And we're going to be looking at John chapter 10 today. John chapter 10. Reading verses 7 through 10. So as you look up that passage, I'm also going to invite you to stand for the reading of God's word, simply out of reverence for the fact that God gave us his word. Isn't that amazing? We serve a God who desires to communicate with his people. So John chapter 10, verses 7 through 10. So Jesus again said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. 
All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Man, these are the very words of God. You may be seated this morning. So we're diving into a new series today, the I Am series. We concluded our summer series, The Resistance, The Church and Its Mission, with the final message on that we are called to engagement. We're called to engage the world we live in. This is why God sent his son so that his son could engage the world. We have that same mandate. So I feel like there's no better way to engage the world but to be Jesus to the world. How do we do that? Jesus says, I am, I am, I am. So how about we should be, we should be, we should be? That's what we're going to look at. We're going to look at these seven I am statements of Jesus, looking to apply that to our own lives, that we can engage the world we live in, that we can be on mission for him. And as you do that, as we look at this passage and I am the door, what we see is, is that you can experience a rich and satisfying life by following Jesus because he is the door to life everlasting. So in the Middle East, as shepherds would watch their sheep during the day, as it would get toward the evening, they want to find a safe place for their sheep to stay overnight. And so they would back up oftentimes to a cave, a rocky hillside, somewhere where they could corral the sheep and the shepherd could serve as the door. And as the sheep would come in in the evening, the shepherd would stand at that door and inspect the sheep. If the sheep was injured, he could apply oil for healing. If this sheep was in need of water, he could provide water if they were thirsty. This is really what the 23rd Psalm was referring to. In Psalm 23, it says, You anoint my head with oil, oil for healing, and my cup of water, it overflows. This is the task of the shepherd as the sheep would come in at night. But we also know that Jesus often would refer to Psalms and Isaiah as he would preach and in ministry. And we also know the other function of the shepherd is once those sheep were in, then he would actually lay down and serve as the door. Jesus says, I am the door. It was a door of protection. So the shepherd would be there so that nothing could pass through, no man, no beast, no intruder. He served as a door of protection. But not only that, Jesus, in quoting Psalm 118, because I really believe that's part of what he's referring to in this passage, he says, this is the gate of the Lord, the righteous shall enter through it. Jesus is the doorway to salvation. This is why we start the series here, because unless you have experienced Jesus and as the door of salvation, you really can't experience the rest of what Jesus does and who he is. So we have to start there. And really, this verse in Psalm 118, it alludes to a verse that's going to come later in John 14, where he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one can come to the Father but by me. Jesus is the door to life everlasting. If you come here today in search of meaning, you can only find it in Jesus. If you're here today wondering what happens after death and Jesus, you are promised eternal life. Jesus is the door to living a meaningful life now with the promise of life 
forever with him and others who have followed him for eternity. You're going to be given opportunity at the end of the service, if you're here today and you have yet to cross through that doorway, to enter that door where Jesus stands, you'll have opportunity today. And when that opportunity comes, I encourage you, don't delay. Walk through that door, say yes to Jesus, and enter that door of salvation so you can experience the rest of what Jesus has for your life. You can experience a rich and satisfying life by following Jesus because he is the door to life everlasting. But not only that, you can experience a rich and satisfying life by following Jesus because he is our rightful leader. I've explained that context in a passage matters. So as we look at John chapter 10, what we find is Jesus is in Jerusalem. They're celebrating the Feast of Dedication. We would know it better as Hanukkah. And he's there celebrating this feast, and it's important to understand what that feast was for. This feast celebrated the event where Judas Maccabeus had reclaimed the temple after he conquered his Greek oppressors. It's during this season, Israel recalled the failed leadership of the temple during the Maccabean period. So Jesus is talking about leadership here. He talks, and this is why he shares in, in the eighth verse. Here's what he says. All who came before me are thieves and robbers. He's talking about the temple leadership here. But the sheep did not listen to them. So it's at this point in the Gospel of John, many people have made the decision to follow Jesus, but yet a lot of the temple leadership had not selected him as their Messiah. They didn't know him this way. Any leader who fails to acknowledge Jesus as Lord puts in question the legitimacy of their leadership. The course applies to church leaders. We know that. But the subject is wider than this. Think about it for a moment. It is any voice that draws people away from God, any voice that inflicts harm, particularly on God's people. Jesus is bold with these individuals. He calls them thieves and robbers. This story, it also provides a challenge to sheep as well. We are those sheep. Sheep must recognize the voice of the one who can lead and feed them. Can you recognize the voice of Jesus in your life? They must know how to find the sheepfold in safety. This is where the good shepherd, Jesus, leads us. So I ask, who are you following? What voices do you recognize as speaking into your life? Where do you go for shelter? There are leaders to be followed and leaders to be avoided. I think we all know this. The litmus test is the fruit they exhibit, the Christ-like qualities they possess person on TV, in your workplace, in your neighborhood, or any other arena of your life, they do not love well. They are not patient. They are not peaceful. If they are not kind, good, gentle, and exhibit self-control, they may not be worth following. Jesus is our rightful leader. You can experience a rich and satisfying life by following Jesus because he saves Jesus' main purpose was the health, the salvation of the sheep. That's what the shepherd's job, which he defines as free access to pasture and fullness of life. What a wonderful promise. Jesus says, life abundantly. Under his protection and by his gift, we can experience the best life can offer. 
Jesus can give a whole new meaning to living because he provides full satisfaction and perfect guidance. Are you dissatisfied with life? Are you journeying life without the guidance of a good leader? All of that can change today by fully devoting your life to Jesus. He is the one who provides life everlasting, the one who is our rightful leader, the one who saves. Connection Point, if you are unaware, it's going to be hosting, we as a church, a Freedom Run Walk 5K over Labor Day weekend, September 3rd. Just going to be in the morning on that Saturday. Did I hear a woohoo? <laughs> That's great. We're going to host this race to raise support and awareness for the fight against human trafficking and sex slavery. It's important for us as the church to lead all people to Jesus, the door. Jesus who stands at the door inspecting his sheep, healing those who have been hurt, providing water for those in need of drink. The one who guards the flock, keeping it safe from anything wanting to cause it harm. Jesus is the one who can bring an end to the issue of modern-day slavery. He, as the door, serves as an advocate for the helpless. We know that as sheep are defenseless animals. Anybody watch a YouTube video where a sheep kills a bear or a wolf? If you find one, let me know. I haven't seen one yet. Protection offered while the shepherd is the door. That's the only protection they have. Sheep are protected because the shepherd is there as the door. And if we are to be like Jesus, we must be advocates as well. If we want to experience the rich and satisfying life, Jesus promises we must not only walk through the door that leads to salvation, that leads to the promises that Jesus has, that leads to relationship with him, we must walk through the door to the other side, which leads to mission. I shared this about a month ago when we talked about the church in Philadelphia, the church with a wide open door, a door that leads to salvation and out the backside is a door that leads to mission. So this is how I interpret our Connection Point logo. I wasn't here for its creation, so I'm just going to stamp my own meaning on it. I hope that's okay. Here's what I think it is. It represents come and see, come and experience Jesus, come walk through the door that leads to a relationship with him, and then go out and serve what it means to follow Christ. Go out on mission for him. Both aspects are required to experience a rich and satisfying life. I'm convinced of it. And we live this way in continuation of the mission of Jesus, which you can find in Luke chapter 4. Here's what Jesus said he came to do. In fact, this is the message I preached on the Sunday we came in in November, because I love this passage. He says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. We have to continue that mission. That is our mandate as the church, and as we do that, we change the world. So we have opportunity to be advocates by hosting a race to raise support and awareness for the organization's Project Rescue and Free International. These organizations serve as advocates for those who need to experience the only one who can truly set them free, heal their hurts, guard their hearts, and lead them to a rich and satisfying life. So I've invited them both to come this morning. They're here today to share as a part of our inaugural Freedom 5K race, running until everyone is free. And I'll let you know in advance, we're going to take up a special offering at the end of the service to kickstart our support of these organizations 
So as they share, feel free to talk to your spouse, see if there's something you want to do to help in the offering today. We're going to take time at the end to do that. And we want to be committed to leading people to Jesus, the door, and this is one way we get to do that. So Jonathan and Jennifer Barrett, they have come as a part of Project Rescue. So I'm going to let them share what that organization is all about, committing to setting people free around the world. So Jennifer, she's going to come in a moment, but first they're going to play their video. So if we could start that video for Project Rescue, and then Jennifer will come and share after that. My parents are David and Beth Grant. You saw them just a few months ago on the screen. They are the co-founders and directors of Project Rescue. Project Rescue is a ministry to sexually enslaved women and children that began in India almost 20 years ago. The, the journey of Project Rescue began when I was 12, so almost as far back as I can remember, it's been a part of my life. I have always loved this ministry, but if I'm honest, I really viewed it more as my parents' call and my parents' ministry. I have been working for the last nine years as a nurse in Springfield, Missouri, and I married a professional baseball player. We loved missions, but had no plan on personal involvement other than giving and praying. But as I've learned over the years, the Lord usually has a plan that we would never expect. Never say never. Um, in the last year, the Lord has really done a work in our hearts, and I began to sense the need and feel a more personal connection than ever before. I decided I wanted to be part of the team, part of the answer. It's really hard for me to forget that I was there. I was there in that tiny apartment in Mumbai, India, that became the very first home of hope for that first group of young girls rescued from the red light district. I was there to see in their eyes the horror and the darkness that they had endured. A darkness that at the age of 12, I couldn't begin to comprehend. A darkness that today, I still struggle to understand. And it's the reality of that darkness why I'm here standing in front of you today. As a father of two girls and being aware of the world of sexual exploitation and sexual slavery, my father was very protective. I would tend to call it overprotective. Even though my sister and I are both grown now with children of our own, he still takes his duty to keep us safe and protect us very seriously. And while I used to roll my eyes and still do sometimes at his frequent phone calls, late night drive-bys, and stern lectures about my safety, there's part of me that feels cherished and loved. I know that he's always thinking about me, praying for me, and would do anything that he could to protect me. Now that my husband and I have two young, beautiful daughters of our own, Gemma is three and Madison is one, I understand exactly how he feels. There's nothing that we wouldn't do to keep them safe. I think that all of you parents out there know that feeling well, and for those of you with no children of your own, you have loved ones who you feel very protective of. But there are millions of women and children in this world who have never felt that feeling. They've never experienced a protective father. They may have never known their father, or if they did, that father acted as a predator rather than a protector, perhaps selling them to the highest bidder for a few extra dollars. For women and children like this, who is their protector? Who will stand up and defend them, ensuring their safety, wellness, and a future with hope? For the last 19 years, Project Rescue has been striving for this, to rescue and restore victims of sexual slavery through the love and power of Jesus Christ. Our affiliated sites operate in eight countries across the globe, working through prevention and awareness pr programs, educational programs, aftercare homes, night care shelters, medical care, and um, yeah, the list goes on. In the last year, 
we were able to minister to over 34,000 women and children through our Christ-centered initiatives. Our goal is to come alongside of survivors, bring them to a place of safety first, but then to a knowledge that God loves them, that he's not forgotten them, and he wants more than anything to give them a hope and a future. God is their protector and their only ultimate healer and liberator, but Project Rescue is a part of that healing journey. For those of you familiar with Project Rescue, or who may have heard my father speak before, you've probably heard lots of stories about India or Southern Asia. That is where Project Rescue began. However, as our world is changing, we are changing and growing as well. In the last four years, doors have opened up to plant initiatives in Western Europe, specifically in Spain and France. You saw a little bit of that on the video. The ongoing refugee crisis has created a large population of women and children that are extremely vulnerable and are being tra targeted by traffickers. As migrants fled into Europe, that tens of thousands of women and children have disappeared, with the assumption being that many of them have been caught and forced into sexual exploitation. Again, who will stand up and defend them? As Pastor said, we want to be their advocates. Project Rescue staff and team leaders want to answer that call. We are so excited about the stuff happening in Europe, but we're watching and waiting prayerfully for more open doors there. I'd like to share with you one story this morning of a young woman's journey of rescue and re restoration. Miraculous, really. Trafficked from Africa at a young age, Bella was brought to Spain, where she was um, abused, tortured, and exploited. She was told that she had a $55,000 debt to repay, and if she tried to run away, her family back in Africa would be killed. However, one night during a police raid, she was found to be without legal papers, so she was placed in a detention center in Madrid, Spain. The majority of people waiting in detention centers are, waiting, are awaiting deportation, and that's where Bella was. Unfortunately for victims of human trafficking, that means they're often deported right back into the hands of their traffickers. So Project Rescue team members routinely visit this detention center and try to befriend the women being held there and minister to them in any way that they can. That's how they met Bella. A member of our team worked for the better part of a year to secure her legal paperwork. And finally, the government granted her asylum and citizenship as they declared her a victim of human trafficking. Through her relationships with Project Rescue staff, she was able to graduate vocational school, obtain a work permit, and join a church family. But better than all of that, she was introduced to Jesus, and she chose to put her trust in him. Today, Bella is a new woman. She has a job. She has a husband. The Lord brought a Christian husband into her life, and now they are serving together in ministry and expecting their first child. Amen. I know. It is your church and churches just like yours that are doing things like this freedom run. It's just amazing. And you are the reason why we have any success stories like this one to share. Project Rescue needs prayer warriors like you guys to join us in fighting the spiritual battle. And then we also need your generous financial support. So today, as you're praying, just think about what God would have you do to help protect and rescue his daughters and his sons caught in sexual slavery. My husband and I will be out at a table in the back after the service, and we'd love to connect with you more if you'd like. Man, thank you, Jennifer. And as you share, they have a table in the back, so I welcome you to talk to them if you want more information on what's happening globally. And God's making a difference to rescue people in that way. We also have uh, Mike, Michael Bartell from Free International. 
he and his wife Denise are no strangers to us, Lafayette. They were part of the Purdue Chi Alpha for many years. Uh, so I just encourage you to welcome Michael as he comes to share about Free International. Morning. Man, it's great to see uh, a lot of old friends um, from, I think it was 2000, or 1994. Man, we're getting old. 1994 to 2000, we were uh, very much a part of this faith community, this church, back when, when it was uh, Bethel Christian Life Center. Um, this, was, this was our church. This was our church family. Uh, I want to thank this church for being a part of our journey all the way back then. You guys have been supportive of uh, Denise and I and even our family as our family has grown. Two kids, my son soon to turn 15, Dylan Cash Bartell after Bob and Johnny, and uh, my daughter Veronica Grace who's about to turn 11. This church has always been a very special part of um, our lives, both in friendships and relationships and spiritual development and in partnership and missions from Chi Alpha to work with uh, human trafficking. We actually started our journey with Project Rescue back in 2004, spent three years with them, and then 2007 started Free International to address these issues of human trafficking right here in the United States. Free stands for Find, Restore, Embrace, and Empower. And uh, one of the things we've always looked at, and even something we loved uh, when we were part of this church, and even how this church is structured now as Connection Point, is that we believe that God chose his people, the, the big C, church with the big C, called us out of darkness into light so that we might be light to the world. He has left us here as his people to connect into our communities to find those who are hurting and who need help and hope uh, for the future. And uh, that's how we structured uh, Free International as a genuine missions organization. There's a lot of great things. I'm going to hit just a couple highlights this morning that, that uh, God's been doing through Free, but I believe the success of Free has come as we've partnered and worked arm in arm with the faith community and in and, and, and different parts of the culture and society to reach those who are right on our own doorstep. Uh, we read a verse just earlier. You know, the, the Bible tells us that the enemy's like a roaring lion seeking whom he can destroy and devour, but that the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost, came to bring life and life abundantly. And the first part of Free's name really deals with that, to be able to find those who are being exploited, who are without hope, and bring them hope and life and life abundantly. We've seen a lot of great things happen over the last few years in particular. Uh, some of you might remember we were even here, I think about four years ago now, four and a half years ago now, as we were doing work uh, in Indianapolis around the Super Bowl that was uh, in the community. But as we've worked, we're actually based out of Las Vegas now, uh, but we have uh, people on the Free International team all over the country serving in different capacities. And one of the things we've been able to do is, is uh, work well with the faith community to mobilize within each individual community to find those who are being exploited. You know, using simple tools and just really being active in the community. We came into Indianapolis and put together a book uh, full of missing children we knew were likely in the area, and some of which we knew were being trafficked and, and knew where they were at. And, we're able to come in, and, and in a couple situations, in Miami recently, we were able to uh, mobilize, and law enforcement gave credit for clearing three precincts worth of missing kids off the books 
all with about 35 church volunteers uh, over the course of a three-day period of time. That's incredible. <laughs> Amen. You say, how is that possible? It says, well, you can't, you, you usually can't find what you're not looking for. So as we mobilize together in effective outreach and know what this looks like and know how to engage, we found incredible things happen. The doors have opened wide in Las Vegas. Even in just the last six months, we've been brought in uh, to the Metro Department there, already serve on the Human Trafficking Task Force, uh, being able to target very difficult areas of Las Vegas, some of the worst trafficked areas of the world, really, uh, as, as they've opened up the doors and said, look, can you mobilize churches in this area so that we can see the whole culture of this part of the city change? I said, well, yes, we can. How do I know we can do that? Because God uses his people, his church, and calls us out of darkness to be light in dark places. Um, Mother Teresa had a wonderful quote. She, she talked about how difficult Calcutta is, and I've been there, and the work that Project Rescue does in some of the uh, very difficult places of the world is spectacular. But she, she says, not everybody can go to Cal uh, Calcutta, but we need to find the Calcutta in our own communities, in our own families, across our own country, be able to reach in there, find the loneliness and, and the discouragement and the trouble and the hurt, and be able to minister healing into those lives. Over the last few years, uh, the work that we've been able to do in partnership with local churches has allowed me twice to speak to the National Association of Attorneys General. All the attorneys general of the United States of America, I got to present um, our approach, which is using local faith community to be able to engage. There's a lot of the stuff we do. It requires aspects of some technical skill, but you know what? A lot of it's, it's not rocket science. And the interesting part about the church is that he's called the church out to be able to minister into this community. We have doctors and educators here. We, we have uh, teachers and, and, and law enforcement agents. And you name it, the church is populated with all the unique skills throughout all the sectors of our society to do maximum good within our own community and our own state. That's an incredible thing. We need to find those who are being exploited. We've, um, we've done a lot of great things in outreach, but as was said so well by uh, Project Rescue, it's something that really was ingrained to us even when we worked with them a long time ago, is, is uh, getting somebody out of this situation is just the beginning of the process. And that's where the restore piece come in. The uh, psalmist says, not only did he bring us out of the miry clay, but he set our feet on a rock to stay. It's important that not only we identify and find those who are being exploited, oftentimes they're, they're even sitting in our own churches. I've been in many churches where people were struggling and, and just didn't know how to come forward with their situation. They were being abused, domestic abuse, they were being molested, whatever it might be. And, uh, and they knew they had a, a safe place here in the church, but they were just too shamed to come forward with their story. And man, I'll say this morning, I hadn't planned on it, if that's you, 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 you have a safe place here. There's no reason you or a friend of yours or somebody you know needs to continue to be in a situation that causes so much harm. And so I'd encourage you to come forward to, to speak to the, some of the leadership of this church that you might not have to be there anymore. But being out of a situation is just the beginning of the beginning of the process. Um, so the restoration part of Free International deals with holistic aftercare, emotional, spiritual, educational support, and help on the backside. And we've just seen incredible things happen there. Not long ago, we were given a, a property that we've had to develop 
Uh, It's going to be a shelter for girls between 12 and 17 years old uh, that'll take in 18 girls. We're going through the licensing process now, so we might provide a safe place. Homes like Project Rescue provides to offer healing, holistic healing into the lives of those who are being exploited. Recently, if you're part of the youth group here or whatever, you might know what Project, so many names out there anymore, Speed the Light is. This year, we are Speed the Light's major project. We're uh, we're getting over half a million dollars of mobile equipment that's going to allow us to target different places of this country with direct services into those communities, working with the church to provide the culture to which we provide those services. Incredible things are already opening up for that so that we can go in and provide medical care. Uh, We we are uh, providing legal care. In fact, in the last year, uh, we've started a partnership with the University of Miami School of Law, one of our own missionaries, Trinity Jordan, uh, was able to set up, one, uh, as far as we know, the first fellowship of its kind, legal fellowship in this country that's specific to human trafficking, and, and Free International is leading on those initiatives, providing those services as the faith communities within our, uh, within our neighborhoods and where we need to be to minister, not only of finding those who are, or are being trafficked and exploited, but to be able to offer them the holistic healing they need so that they might carry the same testimony we do as followers of Christ, and that is that he makes all things new. Your running, your walking of this 5K as you get involved helps provide much needed support and finances uh, for shelters, for mobile command centers to exist and function. But more than that, we want to offer our continued partnership with you that we might work arm in arm to reach this community and those who are being exploited here uh, for the glory of God. We want to partner arm in arm with you ministering healing until everyone is free. Thank you guys so much for being a part of our journey over the last 20 years plus. Uh, Thank you for allowing us to um, be friends with you, to come back, Pastor, and present this to you. But I look forward to, uh, from here forward, uh, working with you arm in arm, reaching this community for the glory of God. God bless. Amen. You know, too often we can have somebody come and share, talk about India, talk about Spain, talk about France, talk about even Las Vegas and think, well, this is a problem out there, and we can think that maybe this isn't a problem right here. But if you haven't watched the news in the last week, Tapaniaki Grill across across the state, they have been closed for this very issue, the issue of modern-day slavery, that they were bringing in uh, servers who... Uh, We're not from here to basically serve as slaves. You may have been served by a modern-day slave if you ate a Tapaniaki grill. So how many know that's right here? We can't think that this issue just exists out there. This issue is an issue that touches almost every place you go. And so we want to make a difference. We can make a difference in the countless lives of individuals by bringing support and awareness to the fight against human trafficking and sex slavery. What stories have yet to be told of young girls? and young boys rescued out of this entrapment and bondage. Who will be in heaven because you decided to be an advocate for the helpless? I'm going to invite the floor host to come because we're going to start in support right now. This offering will be combined with the race proceeds that we get on September 3rd so that we can make a difference working through and with these organizations. I'm going to talk with Mike about not only what we're doing in the way of financial support, but what are practical things we as a church can do here to make an impact make a difference in this issue. So I encourage you to serve as an advocate today.
So let's pray over the offering. Heavenly Father, you call us to lead people to you as the door. You ask us to be advocates for the helpless, the oppressed, those who are in bondage. And God, I, I ask that you'd help us to do that right now. Lord, I do pray that you would bless these gifts into the work of your hands as, as we support organizations like Project Rescue and Free International, as we do that in finances and in prayer and in partnership. And God, we just ask that you would bless the hands of those who are preparing gifts. Lord, I do pray that as we are blessed, that we will be a blessing to the world. And we just pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. As that offering bucket passes you by, uh, the worship team is going to begin to play and lead us in a closing song. So as that bucket goes by, I just invite you to stand and to participate in us as we close in worship today.